you here, join us on this snowy Wednesday evening. Pray you're warm and you are safe. And we're looking forward to finishing the book of Zechariah. Really an incredible book that deals with uh, the prophecies of uh, the latter days and specifically concerning Israel and Jerusalem and the coming of Jesus Christ in the second coming. We're going to look and continue at some of those prophecies uh, here as we finish chapters 13 and 14, and that finishes Zechariah. The next week we'll be in Malachi, the last book of the New Testament, and then that will finish our Wednesday online um, studies that we'll be doing um, and uh, going through the Old Testament for the second time since I've been here at Calvary Chapel. So looking forward to, though, tonight as we just go into Zechariah chapter 13. Of course, keep in mind that Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi are post-captivity uh, books uh, after the 70 years of captivity, uh, that they are prophets on the scene. After Malachi is what is called the silent years, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, so between Malachi, the last of the Old Testament prophets, till the coming of John the Baptist, that there is 400 years called the silent years. Daniel's going to fill us in a bit what happens during that time as we're going through the book of Daniel. As we look at the world empires that take place from the time of Babylon, clear to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So it's wonderful to go through these books of the Old Testament that kind of, as we put it all together, get a good understanding of the prophetic word that is given to us. And I hope you're blessed by it. This Sunday we will be back and we'll finish chapter 1 of Daniel. We only got through the first four verses, but it was important for us. And I know there was a lot of information that I threw out at you and you who are listening to this study, perhaps... You've been following us as we've gone through the Old Testament, and you have that good understanding, but there are a lot of people that are coming, new people, that the, the study of the Scriptures and the books of the Bible uh, are really new to them. Uh, they've gotten pieces of it, even in the study of the book of Daniel, that most people have not read the whole book of Daniel because it can't be technical because uh, of the prophecies that are there. They have read the story of uh, Daniel uh, there in chapter 1 that we're going to finish, purpose in his heart not to defile himself. They've read chapter 3, perhaps. Uh, there's been lessons about being thrown in the burning, fiery furnace. Uh, even non-Christians are familiar with that. And Daniel being thrown in the lion's den in chapter 6. But there's so much in Daniel. To be able to study the book in its entirety is the going to be powerful, impactful, and very informative as we make application, as we uh, have uh, all those things that are given to us concerning the latter days. So I hope you can join us for that uh, as we, again, continue our journey through Daniel. Also look at all the things that are going on here at Calvary Chapel. We want to make sure that you understand that uh, even though uh, in the next week, maybe next week I'll do all of Malachi, I'm not sure yet, that even though the Wednesday night online study is going to end. There's plenty of Bible studies that are taking place with men's studies, a couple lady studies. There's marriage fellowships. There's uh, the youth that meet uh, during the weekends. There's young adults. There's just different things that are taking place. There's a koinia fellowship for you to get involved, for you to uh, continue to be encouraged in the Word of God and encouraged in fellowship with others. But this uh, tonight we want to uh, start in chapter 13, and before we do, Father, we ask that you do bless this time in the study of your word. 
that you would just uh, excite our hearts because these things will come to pass. I think about how John, when he was exiled to the island of Patmos, and he's given the apocalypse of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, that he is told to write these things down that must shortly come to pass. Not that they might, but they will. And we do know that Jesus said that, that his words will never uh, fade away, that uh, heaven and earth will, but not, not the word of God in the prophetic word. We have the sure prophetic word given to us. And Lord, as we read this, uh, I just pray that you would touch our hearts. And there's application for us, even though it's speaking a lot about the restoration of Israel, second coming of Jesus Christ, this is our future as well. And uh, we should be excited about it, and we should be attentive to what it is that we're going to read. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We do read in chapter 13 of Zechariah, verse 1, that in that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. In that day is the verse flows out of what we finished last uh, week as we looked at verses 10 through 14. Uh, chapters 12, 13, and 14 are really, uh, I believe, um, the prophetic heart of the book of Zechariah, speaking about the coming deliverance of Judah, how they are going to recognize Jesus as their Messiah in verse 10 of chapter 12. And I will pour out my house on, uh, pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace. I'm so grateful for his grace and supplication. And they will look on me whom they pierce. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for his firstborn. So they're going to recognize that Jesus is their Messiah, their Mashiach. And as Paul writes in Romans chapter 11, that in that day all of Israel shall be saved. So in that day a fountain shall be opened up uh, for the house of David, for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and for uncleanness. And as it flows out of what we read in verses 10 through 14 of the previous chapter, when they turn to Jesus, a fountain of living water shall cleanse Israel of her sin. Now we know that there's going to be a fountain that will come from the house of the Lord. We'll talk about that as we get into the, the next chapter. But for you and for me, Jesus said in John's Gospel, you might recall in chapter 7, that on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, that he stood up there at the temple and he said, If any of you thirst, let him come to me and drink, and out of his innermost will flow torrents of living water. You see, the Lord desires to fill us. He, he talked to the Samaritan woman in chapter 4 about living water. And he said to her, I have living water to give. You can't get it from Jacob's well here. You drink of the world's and, and water, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I have to give to you, you'll never thirst again. And so the question for us on a daily basis is, where are we going to be refreshed? Where are we going to, to drink, to drink from? From the well of the world or from the heavenly living water that the Lord desires to give to us? Because you see, it's not just for salvation as we come to him and we're, we have the Holy Spirit that is in us, but every day walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. I need God's Spirit. Lord, just overflow me so it flows out from me to be a blessing and refreshment to others. And as we read in verse 2, it shall be in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols of the land, and they shall no longer be remembered. I also will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to depart 
from the land. So no idols, only devotion to Jesus. When he comes back, no false spirit. That will be all gone in the reign of Jesus Christ. And that applies to us as well. He alone deserves our worship. He alone uh, is the one that we are to give our devotion to. Um, not to the things of the world, not to the, the idols of the world. And during the millennium reign, it's going to be so wonderful because he's going to reign from Jerusalem and righteousness will cover the earth as waters cover the sea. His glory will cover the earth. We know that uh, we are going to be with him. It's going to be such a glorious, glorious time as he sits on the throne there in, uh, in Israel, the throne of David, in the house of David. In verse 3, and it shall come to pass that if anyone still prophesies, then his father and mother who begot him will say to him, You shall not live, because you have spoken lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and mother who begot him shall thrust him through when he prophesies. So this is, you know, kind of a sobering verse here. It's a reference to the false teachers. Now keep in mind that we are seeing what happened as we went through the Old Testament what happened to the false teachers that led God's people into captivity. Uh, They were ones that led the people into lies, to false worship, to false idols, false prophecies, and the people turned to them and listened to them rather than the truth of God, and it led them to disaster. And it is such a huge responsibility given to us as teachers. And here, as we see, God says, that they're going to be put to death. And it seems harsh here, speaking about mother and father seeing their their son be put to death, but it shows us how God will deal with false teachers because they're leading people down a destructive road. Idolatry and false leaders that uh, had led the people into captivity, uh, again, it was disasters. It led to people of God into devastation, destruction like they've never seen before. And it is a sobering verse, and as I make application to this, to anyone who desires to be a teacher. It is true that, as James says in his epistle, in chapter 1, I believe, that anyone who desires to be a teacher will be held at a stricter judgment. And that is true. We are held at a stricter judgment by the Lord um, in what it is that we teach, and we need to remember that. And uh, matter of fact, it's in chapter 3 of James. In verse 1. But uh, it also means before God as well. And so we have an awesome responsibility uh, to handle the word of God. Paul said to Timothy that make sure that you're a workman who need not be ashamed. Need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And we need to do that as teachers and as parents as we're teaching our kids. You know, we're the priests of our homes. We're the shepherds of our homes, uh, mom and dads. And it it amazes me today how uh, flippant and disrespectful some can be towards the word of God. We need to handle the word of God respectfully in, uh, in um, you know, in the fear of the Lord because... It is the living word of God given to us from the Lord, and we are held at a a higher, stricter judgment, particularly those of us who desire to be teachers. Verse 4, And it shall be in that day that every prophet will be ashamed of his vision when he prophesies. They will not wear a robe uh, of coarse hair to deceive, but he will say, I am no prophet, I am a farmer, for a man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. So false prophets will not publicly identify themselves. 
They will disguise themselves and say that they're farmers uh, here. They may fool people around them, but they won't feel, fool God. Here's the thing about false teachers today. That false teachers don't come along and advertise that they're false teachers. They don't come along and say, I'm a false teacher. They will disguise themselves, and, and they are counterfeits. They, they uh, are liars. They are ones that are deceivers. And a deceiver doesn't come out and just uh, openly says, I'm a deceiver, but they will lead people down a wrong path in, in their deceptive work and words that they give. In verse 6, and one will say to him, what are these wounds between your arms? And then he will answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Now, verse 6 here, there are those who will apply this to Jesus, them recognizing Jesus uh, as they mourn for him in chapter 12. Uh, yes, one is mourned for his only son, grieve for him, it's one who grieves for a firstborn. And, and Jesus will say, as they ask, where did you get those wounds? I got them in the house of my friends. Here in context, though, it is speaking um, of the false teachers. And that's what uh, I believe that is the context is being told to us here. Um, false teachers and prophets, often what they would do is mutilate themselves in service to the idols. First Kings chapter 18, we read about that. Jeremiah chapter 48. But in God's kingdom on earth, people will not put up with the false teachers and uh, want to uh, identify with them. The result is uh, of a, uh, here that um, you know, they're going to be spotted and they're going to be exposed. And you know, between your arms refers to the chest that uh, it's going to be obvious that they are false teachers. So that's what many scholars believe is the context here as we look at idolatry being cut off there during the reign of the Lord. And it will be wonderful to know that truth will prevail because we see so much false teaching and doctrine and uh, everything else that has come into uh, our culture and, and to the lives of our kids, and we're constantly combating it. Uh, and and it, it does affect them very much, and it takes them away from the truth of what God declares in His Word. So it is a battle out there. We need to continually be given the truth of God's Word to our children, to the people around us that are linked to us, and we need to keep growing in the Word of God because that keeps us in a place where we know that which is deceptive, that that comes along and and uh, will you know just um, continually just uh, try to deceive and fool us. Uh, the way to be grounded in the Word of God is continue to study the Word of God, and I hope that we all of us have that desire to do that. We continue in the chapter in verse seven through nine, which is really kind of an uh, interesting portion of Zechariah. Uh, and I'm going to read all three verses. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will scatter. And then I will turn my hand against the little ones. And it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds of it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. I will bring the one-third through the fire. I will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. So verse 7 is speaking about Jesus here. 
And we just saw that in, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, that remember that in that upper room that Jesus said that I'm going to, to be arrested, I'm going to go away, all of you are going to be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike to shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Jesus said it referred to him. And just as the disciples scattered, it would be the nation of Israel that had been scattered, and they had been scattered because of the false shepherds that had come on the scene, the false teachers that had come on the scene. Whenever there is false leaders, the results is very, very divisive and is very disastrous. Uh, the sheep scatter. Uh, the sheep are weak uh, and feeble. Um, they're in danger. They're exposed. Uh, rather than a shepherd who's supposed to feed them and grow them and protect them and, and shepherd them and be a covering for them. And here Jesus saying this speaks of him. But in verses 8 and 9, uh, it's very sobering here to me as I read these verses that it shall come to pass, says the Lord, that two-thirds of it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. And there are those scholars that believe that here is given indication that two-thirds of the Jews are going to be killed by the Antichrist. We do know that in the tribulation period that the Antichrist will go into the rebuilt temple there in Jerusalem. And as he goes into that rebuilt temple, that he will then proclaim himself as God, to be worshipped as God. Uh, and that's Second Thessalonians chapter 2. He will then command the world to take the mark of the beast. And the Jews will say, no, we're not going to receive you as God, as our Messiah. We reject you. And then a portion of them will flee to the rock city of Petra. But we know that he will heavily persecute the tribulation saints, those who are believers in the tribulation period. I, I believe that the, the scriptures teach us that the church will be raptured before that final seven-year period, before the second coming of Jesus Christ. That is, that the church is going to be in heaven during that time. And then there are going to be those who are going to become believers as a result of the 144,000 that are going to be evangelists, Revelation chapter 7, the two witnesses, an angel's going to fly across the whole world, Revelation chapter 14, preach the everlasting gospel and warn people, do not take the mark of the beast. So the Jews are going to be heavily persecuted. The tribulation saints are going to be heavily persecuted. Anyone who does not take the allegiance and the mark of the Antichrist will not be able to buy or sell Revelation chapter 13. And here it gives indication that two-thirds of the Jews will be killed by the Antichrist in the tribulation period. Uh, the remnant then will call on the Lord. And those who made it through, it's like a refining process as silver is refined, and they will receive Messiah. And it's interesting that Travis, we don't talk about the songs before he came up, but he had the first song that we sang tonight, Refining Fire, uh, Trying Fire, Refining Fire. And, and that's the work that God wants to do in our lives right now. Uh, there's an old, uh, very popular uh, song, uh, contemporary song that I remember when I first became a Christian, Refiner's Fire. Uh, and uh, some of you may be familiar with it, but we go through the refining fire because the Lord desires to purify our lives. And remember that as we go through the fiery tri trials, that it's like the gold that's put into the pot and is heated up. 
and, and then the impurities come to the top and the goldsmith will scrape off the dross, the impurities, until that gold is pure. And the Lord is doing that work in us and he's going to be doing a refining process with his people during the tribulation period. But it is sobering. Is it telling us that two-thirds are going to be cut off and die? Is that just speaking about Jerusalem? Or is that speaking about the Jews as a whole? It's interesting, but it's going to be a terrible, terrible time. And that's why Jesus said that it will be great tribulation, such as the world has never seen or ever will see again. And, and so the tribulation period is truly a time of great upheaval and and uh, trials, and there's going to be death and devastation and destruction like the world has never seen before. And I know that some people, that they don't like to hear that, but God's word is declarative for us. You and I, we have a wonderful future that we get to go home and be with the Lord in heaven. But here the, the Antichrist is going to go after them, and we're going to see that uh, he will persecute uh, those who do not turn to him. And they will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God, as they will turn to him. We're going to talk more about it as now we go into chapter 14. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord, we know that's a term the Old Testament prophets have used, Joel and some of the others, Isaiah. The day of the Lord is that period of time to remind you. It's not just a day, but it's a period of time that begins at the tribulation period, extends to the second coming of Jesus Christ, seven years of tribulation and what follows after that, the millennium reign of Jesus Christ. So that's all the day of the Lord. And we know that that term is used not only in the Old Testament, it is a term that is used in the New Testament. Jesus used that term, um, and we know that Paul the Apostle would use that term, um, the day of the Lord. And it's a time of tribulation followed by the reign of Christ that um, we know uh, as he comes back to establish his kingdom. At the end of the tribulation period, as we read here, let me continue reading in verse 1, And your spoil will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? We've already seen that in Zechariah. And the city shall be taken, the houses um, rifled, um, as we look at this in verse 2, um, as it's going to be plundered is what it means. And the women ravished, half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. So as we look at this, at the end of the tribulation period, we know that the nations are going to gather in the valley of Megiddo, north of Jerusalem. And in the beginning of that battle, things look really bad for Jerusalem. Uh, spoils are taken, uh, it's going to be women violated, half the city is going to fall, and it looks like they're done for. It looks like Jerusalem's going to go under. And it could be at this time facing ultimate destruction uh, as the people is, again, is it two-thirds of Jerusalem uh, as half is taken? Is it just speaking there? Um, but we know that they're going to then call on the Lord. And we see that you can compare what is being said here with Joel. Joel speaks about the day of the Lord. And in chapter 2, when he says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm in my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, and for it's at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, days of clouds and thick darkness. And he goes on and he says that before them the people 
you know, uh, writhed in pain. All faces are drained of color. But we do read in verses 16 and 17 that there is this call to repentance as this mighty army uh, is gathering around them. And in verse 16 of Joel chapter 2, this is what I'm reading from. Gather the people and sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing rooms. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord. Do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, Where is their God? So at a time when the armies surround them and it's that dreadful, terrible day of the Lord that they will call out to the Lord. Let's continue in Zechariah 14, verse 3. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west. Making a large valley, half the mountain shall move towards the north and half of it towards the south. Very fascinating that at that time it looks like Jerusalem's going down. They're going to be surrounded uh, by all the nations, the battle against it. We've already seen that it's been told to us in Zechariah that Jerusalem will be a cup of trembling. A cup of trembling to all the nations. And and that means all the nations are going to come against Jerusalem and they're going to find themselves alone. They're going to find themselves to where uh, only the Lord is going to come and deliver them. They can't call on the United States. They can't call on any other nation. It's them alone. And it looks like that there's absolutely no way they're going to get out of this. They're calling on the Lord. Um, you know, why should the people say, where is their God? And, and the Lord's going to show up. And he's going to come back to us when Jesus is going to come back and touch down the Mount of Olives. And we are going to come back with him. And the Mount of Olives is going to split in two. And they have found a fault that runs right down through the Mount of Olives. And it's going to heave in half, as um, we are told here. And again, it's going to make a large valley. As we look at Joel chapter 3, uh, we read about that in verse 2. And I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter the judgment with them on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. So um, it's very fascinating as you put it. God will then judge the nations when the, the Jesus comes back. He will judge the nations. Again, the, the consistency uh, that the nations will gather against his people. And uh, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. So that large valley that is made is called the Valley of Jehoshaphat. It's going to be the place where the nations are going to be judged. And, um, and he'll separate, separate the sheep and the goats. Uh, as we read here, um, that we read that in verse 5, that you shall flee through my mountain valley, and the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. So the earthquake in Uzziah's day is mentioned in Amos chapter 1, verse 1. But um, jo- Josephus, the Jewish historian, he said that that earthquake was because of divine 
judgment against Israel because Uzziah went into the temple, Second Chronicles chapter 26, to burn incense when he wasn't supposed to do. So we're going to come back with him. And, of course, Jude says in verse 14, he comes with ten thousands of his saints. In the book of Revelation, chapter 19, speaking of the return of Jesus Christ to this earth in the second coming, that uh, he is going to have the armies of heaven clothed with fine linen, white and clean, follow him on white horses. That's, that's our future. That we're going to come back with him. What an incredible day that's going to be. And I hope that that excites you and me. Because sometimes we think, Lord, as I see the craziness of the world, or maybe you're going through your old difficult circumstances, that you might be thinking, Lord, what kind of future do I have? You have a wonderful future if you have Christ. And I know that there is pain and there's difficulties and challenges right now that we can go through, but the Lord hasn't left you alone, and his word is still true to us. And he's going to bring his promises to pass for us. And we do have a future, and we have a hope that is in Christ alone. So as we continue in verse 6, it shall come to pass in that day that there shall be no light. Lights will diminish. There shall be one day which is known to the Lord, uh, neither day nor night, nor at evening time, but it shall happen that it will be light. It may be referring to the actual day that the Lord comes. Joel, Isaiah, others speak about the moon not shining. The sun does not give her light, a celestial darkness. But, you know, the light of the world will be seen. Everyone will see him. When he comes back, it will be like lightning flashing from the east to the west, Jesus said in the Olivet Discourse. And then in verse 8, in that day it shall be that the living waters shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them towards the eastern sea, half of them towards the western sea, in both summer and winter it shall occur. Now, verse 8 goes along with, as you read the end of Ezekiel in the Millennium Temple, that as on the mountain of the Lord, and remember the topography is going to change during that time when the Lord comes back to Mount Olive, he's in half. There's going to be water that's going to flow to the east, to the Mediterranean, uh, or to the west Mediterranean, to the east, to the Dead Sea. And it is Ezekiel that speaks about how uh, the Dead Sea is going to have fish in it. But out of, as it flows from underneath the house of the Lord, from the altar of the Lord, the healing waters. And remember that at the end of the tribulation period, that uh, all the fish of the, of the sea are going to die. Uh, the, the waters are polluted. Uh, there's blood that fills the waters. Uh, everything's burnt up. And from the healing waters from the Lord is going to heal those waters. And, and there's going to be a light that's going to come. The desert's going to bloom. The Dead Sea's going to have fish in it. The Dead Sea right now doesn't have any fish in it. Uh, it's going to come to life, and it's all from the living waters. But again, to remind you and I that when we let the living waters flow from our lives, it brings life and it brings healing to others. And that's my prayer for all of us. That Lord, fill me. That out of my innermost body flow torrents of living waters to bring healing and hope to others. That we give them that message. That they see the reality of Jesus Christ in our lives. So we have life healing and important for us to, to, to say, Lord, I want to, to be that to others. 
And then in verse 9, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth, and that day it shall be. The Lord is one, and his name one. So the Lord shall be king of all the earth. Again, he's going to rule and reign. And all the land shall be turned into the plain of Geba to Rimmon south of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be raised up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate to the place of the first gate and the corner gate and from the tower of uh, Hanel of the king's wine press. Hananel is what it is. Uh, and we know that more topographic changes where Jerusalem will be elevated higher. Again, the temple, Ezekiel gives us indication it will be on the mount. And so people will see Jerusalem and the temple is a light upon a hill. And you and I, we are to be a light upon a hill, aren't we? Jesus said for you and for I that no one puts a lamp under the bed, but they put it on a nightstand. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and they may glorify your Father in heaven. And that's what we're to do, is to do those good works to point people to Jesus Christ. And the people shall dwell in it, and no longer shall there be utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. It's not true for today, but the time's going to come when they shall dwell safely and no more threat against them. And the Lord will rule and reign from there. And it shall be with the plagues at which the Lord will strike. Verse 12 tells us all the people who fought against Jerusalem. This is an interesting verse. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. It seems to give indication to us as speaking of weapons of mass destruction in this last battle. Uh, here is their eyes uh, are dissolving, their tongues shall dissolve in their mouth, uh, their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Is it the, the judgment the Lord brings as he comes back, he will simply speak, he will destroy those nations, or is it speaking of weapons of mass destruction that's going to be used um, as they are mounting their opposition against Jesus? In that day shall come to pass that a great panic from the Lord will be among them. Everyone will seize the hand of his neighbor and raise his hand against his neighbor's hand. Verse 14, Judah will also will fight at Jerusalem. And the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be gathered together, gold, silver, and apparel in a great abundance. So again, it's interesting what it is telling us that God puts the enemies. Uh, at a confused date, as chapter 12 described that, as we saw last week, and the people of Judah will, to, will rise up to fight and be like David. They'll take the spoils. You recall that last time that we saw that they're going to fight like David and, um, and those who are even weak. And uh, verse 8 of chapter 12, let me read it to you again. In that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the one who is feeble among them in that day shall be like David, and the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord before them. So they're going to go forth and fight and, and, um, and take the spoils. And in verse 15, such also shall be the plague on the horse and the mule and the camel and the donkey and on all cattle that will be on those camps. And so shall this plague be. So the plague apparently will affect animals. It's interesting plagues. We've talked about pandemics. Jesus said that the signs of the end, the birth pangs are going to be, there will be famines and pestilence. Uh, we've seen the COVID uh, that has affected us for the last couple of years. I pray 
that we're through this, but uh, plagues are mentioned in the tribulation period. They are mentioned in the Battle of Ezekiel 38, pestilence that he will use to destroy those armies. And apparently it will be true here in the tribulation period. And plagues and pestilence are mentioned a number of times in the book of Revelation. In verse 16, that it shall come to pass that everyone who is left on all the nations which come against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king of the Lord of hosts and to keep the feast of tabernacles. Now, during the tribulation period, the nations are going to come up to Jerusalem and celebrate the feast of tabernacles. Now, in the Old Testament, as many of you know, there was three major feasts that took place during the year. Passover in the spring, then Pentecost, and then after that, in the fall would be the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles is where the people would come to Jerusalem in, the, in their little booths, also called the Feast of Booths, uh, the, the Feast of Tabernacles. They, it would be like a big camp out there in Jerusalem. And they would commemorate how God brought them through the wilderness wandering and brought them into the promised land. Well, here we're going to see that the Gentiles are going to come up. The nations, all the nations uh, are going to, that came up against Jerusalem shall go up to worship the Lord of hosts, to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts on them, there will be no rain. If the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Now it's interesting, during the millennium reign, there's this punishment that is, is given, this warning given of those who do not come up and celebrate you know, the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, it is uh, going to be a time where uh, I think that in, in different scholars think that it's going to be this Feast of Tabernacle commemorating how the Lord brought them through the tribulation period. Just as in the time of Jesus they came and commemorated their wilderness wandering, here it's going to be that they're going to commemorate and remember how the Lord brought them through the tribulation period. But here's interesting. Those who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles that there will be the plagues that will come against them. And this shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, verse 19. And then as we finish here the book of Zechariah, that in that day holiness to the Lord shall be engraved on the bells of the horses. Pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bulls before the altar. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everyone who sacrifices shall come and take them and cook in them. In that day there shall be no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. So it shall be that there will be holiness unto the Lord as he comes to rule and reign. So, Father, we thank you for this book as Zechariah just given us really some very incredible prophecies concerning your coming, your people turning to you, what will take place in the tribulation period. Um, just the, the, the difficulties that your people will go through during that time and how they will call out to you. Lord, I pray that we would keep our eyes on you knowing that it's not the nations of the world that will stand, but it will be Jesus Christ that will stand and his kingdom. And we belong to that. So help us to keep our eyes on you and be excited about the things that will take place. And even as Jesus said, 
that when the birth pangs are happening, when you begin to see these things come to pass, look up and rejoice for your redemption draws near. And Lord, we can rejoice today um, because we know that you can come for us at any time. I, I pray that we would be fountains of living water flowing into us, that it would flow to others to bring just truth and healing and refreshment to others. Um, because the, the water of the world that's stagnant and polluted is affecting so many people. But we have living water, pure water to give to them, life to give to them. That is the gospel and the truth of your word. To be able to reach out and show kindness and, and to give people a message of hope. So, Lord, may we be used in that way. And I pray that you just bless the rest of our week. We look forward to coming back and studying Daniel on Sunday. Look forward to next week finishing the Old Testament, perhaps, uh, you know, the last book, Malachi, and Lord willing. And, and we thank you for this time in your word and these studies that we've had in the Old Testament. And, Lord, they've been beneficial and a blessing because all Scripture is profitable. From Genesis all the way through Malachi, all of the New Testament, through the book of Revelation. What a privilege it is to study your word. So, bless everyone here. Bless the rest of our week. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you. Hope to see you on Sunday. <laughs>